Hey y'all, we're back. I got an email from a fellow named Milton. He comes from Iowa. And uh, he asked me if I would share this this article that he come across. And he sent it to me. It was uh, The Last of the Great Hammer Guns by a fellow by the name of Michael McIntosh. Now, this was back in 2015. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm a fun... Uh, I love hammer guns myself, double barrel shotguns. I, my favorite is the uh, coach gun. And uh, I says, well, why not? Let's, let's share this and everybody, you know, why not? So anyway, it seems uh, as breech-loading guns began its evolution in England during the 1850s, the American makers, for the most part, shied away. Now, shotgun making never really had been a significant part of the American trade, and the British trade had little difficulty fulfilling the relatively small demand for guns in the United States. Now, not until 1883, when Congress imposed a 35% tariff on imported firearms, did the prospect of shotgun manufacture begin to uh, seem an economical venture. Now, E. Remington and Son, America's oldest gun maker, had already proven that there was something to the notion. Now, in 1874, Remington bought out its first double gun, commonly not known as the Remington Whitmore. And Andrew Whitmore was the designer who, in the early 1870s, patented a couple of interesting features for break-action guns, notably a fastener that operated by pushing the top lever forward rather than side to side. That's an idea Whitmore borrowed from William Powell of Birmingham. Now, Remington bought manufacturing rights and produced Whitmore lifter models in uh, a few variations until 1879. Three years later, the company introduced its model 1882. It featured a more conventional fastener and a side swing top lever. It came in uh, 10 and 12 bore and ultimately in total of seven grades and it's pr uh, proved popular enough that Remington kept it in, uh, kept it in production rather, and uh, though the catalog, throughout the catalog of 1887. Now, it was not, however, exactly the same gun through the entire period. Remington made some minor mechanical revisions most apparent in the shapes of the hammers. In 1883, 1885, 87, and 89. Now, each was de designated the Remington model uh, of 18-whatever, uh, uh, whatever year it come out. In 1887, a 16-gauge version appeared along with the standard 10s and 12s. Now, the model 1889 is the end point of the evolution of Remington hammer guns. Uh, like all others, it was extremely well made and finished, but there was a sleekness, a sleekness about it that the others just quite didn't match. Now, and its low-profile hammers with their nearly uh, circular necks were very distinctive. Now, Remington offered it in seven grades. The lower three as production guns, the f uh, higher four nicely engraved on special order only, and grades one, two, and three, they looked virtually identical. Charles Semmer has done more active research on Remingtons than anybody else. So he explains the difference among the lower grades. Now grade one is the only one that contains decarbonized steel barrels. Grade two has twisted steel barrels and grade three was Damascus. 
Remember, the 1880s was still a time when twist or Damascus barrels was one side of a sign of a top-quality gun. Actually, the model 1889 came with a watershed uh, as a watershed in the company history. Now, E. Remington and Sons went bankrupt in 1888, and when the new model in 1889 it appeared, it was under the style Remington Arms Company. Uh, it was the last of the hammer guns, superseded by a series of hammerless breech loaders, beginning with the model 1894. But the handsome old thing didn't go away quietly. It remained popular enough that the company kept building it until 1908. Now that makes the model 1889 one of the last high-quality hammer guns made in that century. Now, hammer guns um, have become all the rage over the past 10 years or so, uh, to the point where unscrupulous dealers are going into English pubs and buying wall hangers, which they then send to the U.S. to be sold by equally unscrupulous dealers. These guns are in poor condition and are usually badly out of proof. Now, it's legal here because we have no uniform proof laws and no national proof house. So, don't just, uh, just don't get, get, get this guy started, he says. <laughs> but anyway, Charles Semmer estimates a total production of the Model 1889s at about 134,200. You might wonder why more of them don't show up on the market, but you can answer that for yourself just by giving one a thorough going over. Now, this is a gun I guarantee you'll want to keep. If I come across one, guarantee I'm going to keep it too. But anyway, hope I satisfied you. Anyway, if you've got any bitches, gripes, or complaints, feel free to send me an email at gunsmoke at yahoo.com. That's G-U-N-S-M smoke, all at yahoo.com, all in uh, lowercase, please. Also, join us on our Facebook page at Gunsmoke Gunsmoke. Upload some pictures. Want to see what you're doing. So until the next time, y'all take care.